But anyway, I'm just glad it has wheels on it. Boy, I can remember when we used to have to pick it up and tote it. What a beautiful day. We're so glad to have you with us this morning here at Spirit Life Church. Uh, I always look forward to these special days. I really do. I remember when I was a young pastor. I'm still a young pastor, but when I was really a young pastor, I used to get so nervous that I'd almost get sick every Saturday night just thinking about the crowd and all the moms and dads, grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles, and I would just get so nervous I couldn't hardly make it. But now I've learned how to translate all of that emotion into, man, it's so good to see God's people coming together and worshiping and being together in the house of the Lord as we celebrate his birth. So I pray that you've had a wonderful Christmas season. It's not over. Uh, you, you may have heard we are having church next Sunday, Christmas Eve, and we'd like to invite you to come and be with us. And then next Sunday evening, we're going to do our annual um, candlelight service, candles and, and, and all, all of that. And so we want you to come at 5 p.m. next Sunday. Bring your family. Let's do family communion and have a short service celebrating the birth of the Savior. And then we'll have, uh, we'll have a time to worship Him on Christmas Eve. I'm not going to take a lot of your time today, but Jonathan and I, over the last three weeks, we've been uh, dealing with the theology of Christmas um, we started out by acknowledging the fact that we pretty much know everything that there is to know about Santa Claus. Uh, we know uh, who the elf on the shelf is, and uh, we may not know where he's going to be from, from day to day, but we know that we will ultimately find him if we look hard enough. We know about the Christmas gifts. We know about all of the food that will come with uh, the Christmas celebration. We understand the earthly aspect of Christmas. But sometimes we fail to remember, as we should, the theology of it and what the Bible has to say about it. And so the last couple of weeks we've been talking about that. And today I want to bring that to a close. And I just have three simple thoughts for you this morning. I'm not, I won't take a lot of time, but I want us to dial in on the reality of Christmas and the fact that Jesus is the promise of the Father in its final form. Jesus, the promised, finalized. So let's pray together and then we'll see what the Word has to say. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful crowd today. Thank you for each and every one of these who have participated in our worship experience today. The children, Lord, the, the adults worshiping together. Beautiful. And we just thank you for it today. Now we just turn our attention to your Word. We pray that you'll speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So Jesus is the beginning and he is the fulfillment. He is the final statement that God has sent us. Christmas is all about what God has in his heart for us. Sometimes we don't understand all of the good blessings of God. But this blessing, this blessing of Jesus sent to us in the form of a baby came to us to finalize the promise that God the Father has for us. And there are three ways that Jesus and his appearance on this earth finalized the promise. And the first is found in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word 
was God. This word in the Greek literally means that that has been declared or that which has been said. Did you ever say something and then say, oh, I'm sorry, I take that back. And then we realize that once it has left our mouth, it's virtually impossible to take those words back. But what God has said to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, He would never take back. Because when He spoke through Jesus, and when Jesus spoke on this earth, He was bringing the revelation of the promise of God. He was and is the Word. In John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, No one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son, who is in the arms of the Father, He has explained Him. In other words, everything that Jesus was and is, is an explanation or a revelation of the Father. But God the Father does not have a body. God the Father is not manifested in that way. He is spirit. But when Jesus came, he took everything that God the Father was and is and wrapped it into his existence. And so that everything he said and everything that he did was a representation of God the Father. We remember times when Jesus said things like this, the things that you have heard me say, the Father said to me. And I am sharing those things with you on behalf of the Father. So Jesus represented God the Father. He was the communication to this earth of what God was wanting to say to us. Jesus the Word existed with God since the dawn of time. And through Him, God communicated not only His divine nature, but also His will to reconcile humanity. And here's what we mean by that. We were lost in our sin until God the Father communicated through Jesus Christ His desire to send a Savior so that we could be redeemed and set free from our sin. And I have good news for you today. I have news for you that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you are free from your sin. You are free today because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Aren't you thankful for that today? So the word Jesus expresses that. Have you ever written anybody a letter or maybe a Christmas card? Now, I like to cheat. When I go get a Christmas card, our neighbor, who is also one of, our, one of Louisville's um, uh, news anchors, uh, sent us a Christmas card. They live right next to us. Uh, it's Dalton Godby, WDRB News. And his wife, Gabby, they sent us a Christmas card. And on the front side was a Christmas message. And on the back side was the announcement that she is expecting. And they had the little sonogram on the back and all that and said they were thankful. And so I wanted to send a Christmas card to them or take one and put it in their mailbox 
that expressed from Donna and I, congratulations and Merry Christmas. And I went down and I started looking at cards. And you know how it is. <clears throat> you flip through the cards. You look at one. You put it back. You get another one out. You look at it. You put it back. And then you start asking yourself questions like, should this be a serious card? Is this a serious moment? Or is this something that, you know, you can get one of those pop-out cards where you open it up and stuff pops out? And it, is it one of those kind of moments or whatever? But I look for a card that says what is in my heart because I'm not very good with putting words together. And so I finally found one, and I put our names on it, and I walked it over, I, and, and I cheated because I didn't want them to see me put it in their mailbox so I went after dark, and I snuck down, and I put it in there so that it would be a surprise for them the next day. But the point I'm making is, is that when we want to communicate with someone through a Christmas card or a birthday card or a congratulatory card or, or whatever the case may be, sometimes, and, and back in the day, we used to write letters to one another. How many of you still do that? Can I see your hands? Not, not many because we just shoot an email or we text someone and uh, we get the communication to them. But when we sit down to write a letter or to find a Christmas card, we're finding something that represents what we are feeling in our heart, what the emotion is that is attached to that. And what we're saying here today in, in the fact that Jesus was the communication to the world of God the Father. God thought it through. He thought of all the things that he wanted to say to us, and he said it through Jesus Christ. And so I'm thankful that Jesus is not only the Logos Word of God, which means that which has been said, but he is the rhema word. In the Greek, that literally means that which is still being spoken. Aren't you glad that God the Father is still speaking to us today? Even in this world, in our time, he has a word for you. Amen. Secondly, I want us to see that Jesus Christ is the full manifestation of God. If you look at John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, <clears throat> full of grace and truth. In other words, everything that Jesus is, God was before and continues to be. God. How many of you have ever seen God? Can I see the hands? Nobody's ever seen God is the right answer. I heard about a kindergarten teacher that asked everyone in her class to draw a picture of something that was important to them. Everyone had finished their drawing except little Johnny. And Johnny was at the back of the class still drawing like crazy. <clears throat> the teacher went back and said, Johnny, no one knows what God looks like, so why are you telling me that you're drawing a picture of God? And he said, well, he said, listen, when I get finished drawing this picture, everybody will know what God looks like. So I don't know, in our minds, we think we know what God looks like, but the reality, the theology of it is that everything that we see in Jesus represents who God is. He is in fullness God the Father. The birth of Jesus marked a 
pivotal moment when God's Word took on human form. The Almighty, who has once dwelled beyond our reach, chose to pitch His tent, the Word says, or to tabernacle among us. And by embracing our human limitations, He provided us with the perfect example of how to live a life of righteousness, compassion, and love. You know, if we really want to know how to live our lives in Jesus and in righteousness, all we have to do is look at Christ. You know, a few years ago, we used to wear those bracelets that said, what would Jesus do? Somebody the other day said, what would Jesus think? And the reality is, is that that's how we pattern our lives. We have to understand that Jesus is the full manifestation of God. And if he's the full manifestation of God, he is the full manifestation of righteousness. And so if we want to be righteous men and women, all we have to do is pattern our lives after Jesus. I don't mean that we do the exact same things that Jesus did. He lived in a very different culture than we do. Our culture is very different than the culture that Jesus lived in. But Jesus lived by righteous principles. And if we are going to represent Him to this earth and in this world, we too should live by righteous principles. And so when we live like Jesus did, we are living in the full manifestation of what God wants for us. And then finally this morning, we see in Jesus that He is the final revelation of God. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1, 2, and 3 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. And then here's what I want you to get. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, and He is the exact imprint of His nature. There are some things that just by looking at Jesus come to us. One is grace. Did you know that there's not a person in this house this morning that deserves grace? None of us are worthy. None of us are worthy of what Jesus did for us. But He did what He did and provides our salvation because of grace. So listen, I don't care how good you've been in this life. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter what kind of life that you've lived. We all have access to this thing called grace. And I'm thankful for grace today. For without it, I could not stand here before you today. I could not live a righteous life. And I know that you may be saying to me today, Pastor, if you only know, if you only knew in my life how I've lived and what I've been, listen, I don't need to know. Because no matter what has happened in your life, no matter how sinful you think that you have been or you currently are, there is one thing that will set you free. It is the grace of God through Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm thankful for His grace. I'm thankful for His grace. 
But then also we see in Jesus the glory of God. This literally means the radiation of the Father. Have you ever seen anybody and their face is just lit up? I mean, maybe, maybe it was when you first saw your spouse and something happened inside of you and you got Twitter-pated and your face just lit up and just radiated what you were feeling. When we think about Jesus and when we really look into Him, the Scripture says when we see Him, we see the radiation, the glory of the Father. Listen, did you know that God never has a bad day? God never is discouraged. He is never frustrated. I mean, we can look at our friends and our family and we can just look at them some days and just think, uh-oh, something is seriously wrong. They haven't said a word. They haven't spoken to us. Nothing at all. We just can tell by the look on their face that something is just not right. <clears throat> God never has a day like that. Every day He gets up thinking, I'm getting a brand new load of mercy and I'm shipping it down to my people. I'm going to bless them today like they've never been blessed before. My blessings are yes and amen and I'm going to fill their stocking full of glory and grace and radiance today. We can live every day of our lives with the joy of the Lord because of what God has done for us through this man named Jesus. And I'm so thankful for Jesus. Through the prophets, God communicated His will and purpose to the people of old. However, Jesus surpasses all previous revelations of God. He is the complete embodiment of God's glory reflecting His nature and His character without flaw. Jesus does a wonderful job of showing us a radiant Father. You know, some people, they don't want to serve Jesus. They don't want to be a Christian because all they can think about is everything they have to give up. And I have to stop this, and I have to stop that, and I have to quit this, and I have to quit that, and I can't hang out with them anymore, and I have to give this up, and it just seems like such a drag to serve Jesus. Have you ever felt that way? I have. I grew up in one of those old-time traditional churches. You couldn't do anything. Nobody ever told us what we could do. They only told us what we couldn't do. But listen, I want you to know that serving Jesus Christ is the best decision that you'll ever make. It will change your life immediately, gradually, and eternally when you serve Christ. It'll be the best decision that you've ever made. And the radiance of God the Father will come to you through Jesus Christ. The Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. There's no variableness in Him. He will bless every one of us if we will simply turn to Him. You've heard this before. I borrowed this from another minister when I want to close with this thought. He said the first time that Jesus came, He came in humility. The next time, He will come in majesty. 
The first time Jesus came, he came in grief. But the next time, he will come with glory. The first time Jesus came, he was despised and rejected of all men. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But listen, the next time he comes, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The first time he came, they laid him upon an old rugged cross. But the next time he comes, he will occupy a heavenly throne and be the ruler of all things. The first time they, he came, they spat upon him. But the next time he comes, he will be crowned with all glory. The first time that he stood up in Scripture, he welcomed a man named Stephen home after he'd been stoned to death. But the next time he stands up, he's going to step out on the clouds of glory and he's going to call his people home. Aren't you glad for Jesus today? Amen. Aren't you glad we can celebrate his birthday? Stand with me this morning if you will.